0: Hey everyone, it is another day of God's grace, and you have found Altar Echo, and that makes me very happy. This is Pastor Andy Smith, St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Let's come into the presence of God together and join our faith.
1: Welcome back to the Altar Echo Sermon Podcast. People of St. John's, friends and family, wherever you are and whatever you're doing as you're tuning into this newest episode of our podcast, um, I pray that you are, on this Labor Day weekend, finding some uh, a moment or more of rest from your labors and relaxation and encountering God's peace in a particular way, as the gift of rest is a spiritual practice for us in our lives, a faith uh, that we follow God's lead in resting from our labors every once in a while. The Bible readings for today for this sermon for Sunday, September 5th, are from James chapter 2 and Mark chapter 7, and they are both rather important to our, um, to our sermon today, so I am going to read both of them to you. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, reads, My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, well, stand there or sit here at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has God not chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that God has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not the rich who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for the whole law. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith... But do not have works, can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And the gospel reading is from Mark chapter 7 beginning with verse 24. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. As a woman who had a little daughter with an unclean spirit immediately heard about Jesus, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter But he said to her, "'Let the little children come first, "'for it is not fair to take the children's food "'and throw it to the dogs.' "'But she answered him, "'Sir, even the dogs eat under the table the children's crumbs.' "'Then Jesus said to her, "'For saying that, you may go. "'The demon has left your daughter.' "'So she went home and found the child lying in bed, "'and the demon gone.' Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to Jesus a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and they begged Jesus to lay a hand on him. Jesus took the man aside in private away from the crowd and put his fingers into the man's ears and he spat and touched the man's tongue. Then looking up to heaven he sighed and said to to him a fatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered the people to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded, astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Here ends the reading of the gospel. Can faith save you, people of God? Can faith by itself save you? This is a question that Jesus invites us to consider in the gospel reading and through that James reading today. And I invite you into that question as well. There was a skit that we used to um, lead in my Bible camp days uh, during worship to help our camper kids understand the gospel for the day. Um, And the skit goes a little bit like this. Somehow, uh, a person became stranded on an island with very little food and water to drink with them, um, and no way to save themselves or get themselves off that island and back to safety. So this person prayed and they prayed and they prayed to God, save me, God. I'm out here all alone and I have not much food and water and I'm running out of time. Send something to save me, God. And they waited and they prayed and, After not too long, a canoe came by their way, and the person paddling the canoe called out and said, Hello there, do you need some help? To which the person on the island said, Nope, I'm good. God is going to save me. I've been praying, and I just know God is going to show up and save me. The person in the canoe said, Are you sure? It looks like you could use some help and there's room here in my canoe. Why don't don't you hop in with me and I'll take you to shore. But the person on the island refused and so the canoe paddler went on their way and the person on the island went back to praying. God, save me. My food's getting low and I, I really need you here, God. Please, please come save me, God. Not too much longer, a cruise ship came that way and the captain of the cruise ship blared over the loudspeaker. Hello there. Are you stuck? Are you stranded on this island? Do you need some help? Would you like to come aboard? We certainly have room for you. To which the person again replied, Thank you. I'm, I'm good. God's going to save me. I I have all the faith that God is going to answer my prayer and save me. I'm going to wait for God. So the cruise ship continued on its way. And the person remained on the island and continued to pray, God, I'm waiting. God, I'm right here. Save me, God. I need you. My food is gone. My water's low. I I really need you to save me, God. Not too much later, a helicopter flew that way, and the helicopter just happened to notice this person stranded on the island. The helicopter operators called out to them and said, Hello there. Do you, do you need our help? We have room just for you. We we can throw you down a ladder, a rope or something, and you can come aboard and come to safety with us. And they threw down the rope ladder and the person looked up at it and said, Thank you so much. That was so kind, but I'm waiting for God to save me. I, I just I have all the confidence. I know that God is going to save me. The people in the helicopter scratched their heads and pulled up the rope ladder and flew away. The next day, the person on the island died. And when they got to heaven, they asked God, God, I I prayed, I prayed that you would save me. Didn't you hear my prayers? Why didn't you save me? And God replied, I did hear your prayers and I did try to save you. I sent three efforts to save you. I sent a canoe, I sent you a cruise ship, and I sent you a helicopter, but all three times you said no. I came to save you and you passed on these opportunities. And suddenly the person realized that there was more to salvation than what meets the eye. Now, I do not think that this skit really tells us much about the uh, faithful salvation of this person. I have every confidence that their relationship with God was secure, that God's grace and mercy were enough for them, and they were truly saved spiritually in the breadth and depth and power of God's love, and that that part was not in question. And this may be a bit of a funny story, but it prompts us to think about the ways that our works have a role to play when it comes to good outcomes, the role that our works might have to play when it comes to a bigger picture or perhaps another part of the picture of salvation that God is working out in our lives and in the world. So I want us to consider these questions from the book of James today. The question that James in particular asks in verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? Now, let's just be clear here. The unequivocal, honest, scriptural answer to this question, can faith save you? The answer is yes. Faith on its own can and does save us because as we hear in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Now, this is not your own doing, but it is a gift from God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are saved by grace through faith. So the answer is yes, we are saved by faith. But... Perhaps there is another aspect of salvation that we sometimes overlook when we consider what God has in mind and what role our works have to play. Because faith is important, it is key, it is essential, it is necessary, but it is not the end of the story here. Faith is not merely a mental game of self-help, faith is certainly not an individual sport. (laughs) Our founder in faith, um, forefather in faith we might call him, Martin Luther, says that God does not need your works, but your neighbor does. God may not need our works in order to save us spiritually, but perhaps our neighbor needs our work, our good works, that is, for a different kind of salvation. Another story that I've heard that might help us to think about this in a different way is one that you all might be quite familiar with. It is the story of the starfish. That one day, a young person was walking along on the beach and the tide was coming in, bringing with it wave after wave. And with each wave, more and more starfish were washed up onto the sand. And as the the waves rolled back out, the starfish would be left on the sand where if they remained and didn't return to the water, they would certainly inevitably die. Well, the young person was walking along tossing, picking up starfish one at a time and tossing them back into the ocean as far as they could so that they would be safely back in their inhabitant environment back out in the water. Again and again, this young person picked up starfish and threw it back out into the ocean, found another starfish and threw it back out into the ocean. Now their parent who was walking along with them was watching them throw a starfish one at a time back into the ocean and seeing with each new wave how many more starfish were being washed ashore. And it seemed to the parent that this was a never-ending battle, that there were too many starfish being washed ashore, and their, their child simply could not keep up. And the parent said, What are you doing? You're never going to get all the starfish thrown back into the ocean. What difference is this going to make? What good is this going to do? To which their child, this young person, simply replied, Well... It makes a difference to that one. Perhaps God does not need our works to save us, but perhaps our neighbor does. Friends, Jesus invites us here to consider the way that our faith orients us to our neighbor, and in particular to the needs of our neighbor. If our faith does not orient us toward our neighbor, then what good is it? If our faith does not rest in such trust that our God has saved us and that we are safe and secure in the power of God's love, and thus we are free to care for our neighbor, then what good is our faith doing? If our faith so concerns us with our own self and our own needs and our own salvation, then perhaps we have a trust issue with our God. But on the other hand, if we are so confident that God has saved us by grace through faith, and this is not because of our own works, but because of the gift of God, if we are really confident and really secure in that promise— which we have in scripture, then perhaps we are free, free from the fear of our own salvation, free from the fear of our own future and what it may hold, and free for the sake of the neighbor who is suffering, free for the sake of our loved one who is in need. Perhaps then, when we are so confident that God has saved us through faith, that the physical suffering, the bodily needs, the mental or the emotional strain of our neighbor becomes a spiritual issue for us. Consider Jesus, for example. What would the gospels, these stories of Jesus' life and his ministry be like if in every story A person who needs healing or saving came to Jesus and explained their issue or their suffering, and Jesus simply said, I'll pray for you about that, and then walked away. And didn't do anything else about it. What if in this gospel story we heard from Mark today, Jesus dismissed the woman pleading with him on behalf of her child that the demon would leave her child? What if Jesus had ignored the deaf man without healing him, without saving him, without caring? Is it any different if instead of Jesus' words falling empty, if Jesus didn't do anything to care or heal or help or save, is it any different if it's our words falling empty? What if, for example, you called 911 and explained your emergency to the dispatcher who simply replied, that's so sad, good luck with that, without sending any paramedics or first responders, no ambulance, no fire truck to your aid? Or what if, on the other hand, you sat down in your doctor's office to hear them give you a diagnosis and they didn't offer you any treatment? What would you make? Of that? Would it seem that without works, our words fall empty? They fall flat? They fall short? Is our expertise, is our faith worth anything if it does not result in good works that meet the bodily needs, the physical hungers, the aches, the pains, the cares, the stressors of our neighbor who is in need? Do we, if we see a child who's fallen down and crying, simply walk by them and offer our love and affection without our hands to pick them up or to hold or rock them? What do we do if we see a neighbor who needs us, regardless of who they are or why they need help, and simply pass by? Dear friends, if we are to have faith in Jesus Christ, who did something when someone was in need, who cared for the world that God has made, who modeled for us what it is to work for justice and peace. If our faith is in this Jesus, doer of God's word and worker of good deeds, even producer of miracles and salvation, then we must be people who follow in this example and our faith must take root. Our faith must result in good works of compassion good works of care, good works of healing. That kind of faith, a kind of faith that goes beyond thoughts and prayers and a faith that results in companionship, the kind of faith that results in justice, the kind of faith that results in needs being met and care being offered and received. That is the kind of faith that is not dead but is vibrant and well and alive because this is the kind of faith that results and offers and is assured that it might just be our works, our compassion, our kindness, our presence, our prayers, our standing with that bees that becomes the thing that heals our neighbor. Perhaps our faith that results in works can be the thing that provides salvation from hunger, that provides salvation from loneliness, that provides salvation from poverty or from fear or from isolation. Let us trust God to do the work of spiritual salvation, of keeping our soul and our spirit and our whole life safe and secure, that nothing can separate us from the power of God's love in Jesus Christ, But perhaps our faith can provide a different kind of salvation for our neighbor in need. A salvation in physical form. A salvation in mental health. A salvation in emotional well-being. What if our faith could do that? We see an interesting model of faith in this gospel reading from the woman who goes to Jesus on behalf of her daughter. This woman, this mother, goes to bat with a Jesus who does not seem particularly interested to hear from her. This woman contends for her daughter and insists that her faith, the mother's faith that is, is enough to produce from Jesus the healing that her daughter desperately needs. And you know what? it does. This mother's faith is so fierce, it is so powerful, and it is so insistent that it does not take no from an answer, not even from Jesus. She persists in faith. Let us take this kind of a chapter in our faith, because our faith does not sit back and wait for God to do what God will do. Our faith is a faith that through good works enacts the will of God that we know is at the heart of God, to do the good work that our faith is compelling us to do for the sake of the hurting, to not simply pray and wait, but to pray and act. I do not think that God waits or withholds salvation or healing or help or care until someone speaks up on our behalf to God But I think we see in this woman's faith that there is something very powerful about our work of faith on behalf of the hurting, on behalf of the broken, on behalf of the one in needing physical, mental, and emotional salvation. This is what faith looks like. A faith that is big enough and strong enough, trusting in God enough and bold enough to insist that our salvation is not only for you or for me, but is vast enough for all of us. Let us be people of this kind of faith, active, alive, vibrant, and full of works that shows the world who Jesus is and how Jesus loves us in real life, in real time. Here, now, for you and for all. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: And now God's Word is alive in us again, anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, If you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.